Hello everyone and welcome to When Life Gives You Lemons, our wee podcast about tackling and coping with some of life's challenges, hosted by me, Jenny McIntyre, and founder of Let's, Michael Byrne. Hi everyone, uh, it's Michael Byrne here and welcome to Series 2, Episode 5 of When Life Gives You Lemons. And today I'm really excited to be joined by Jenny McIntyre, as always, the fantastic Jenny McIntyre, as always, <laughs> and the amazing Emma Alker Arwe, um, from who's a CV and LinkedIn expert. And we're delighted um, to have you with us today, Emma. Um, I can't say highly enough how, uh, uh, how glad I am to have you uh, tune in with us today. So how are you both? Good, thank you. Yes, I'm good, Michael, as always. Um, but yeah, just to kind of reiterate, um, it's really exciting to have you on the podcast today, Emma. Oh, um, especially at a kind of a time where um, people will kind of maybe more be looking for new employment, career changes, or whatever else. Sure. Yeah, so, so Emma, you and I met uh, what seems like a good few months ago now yeah. and learned all about what you do, but maybe you can tell our listeners uh exactly what you do and why you do what you do okay so my name's emma alkiri i run a company called the cv guru and it's been running now for almost four years and we provide cvs linkedin profiles personal statements and cover letters for anyone from graduate level right up to executive level more recently now we have been servicing clients and supporting them who've recently been made redundant and a lot of people in industries particularly aviation travel hospitality Mm -hmm. we're now helping them sort of showcase their transferable skills so they can um they're able to be considered for different job markets as well that's fantastic and when you mention those industries those are the kind of industries from from my point of view that i see perhaps on the news quite a lot that mm-hmm. you know there's job cuts and all that sort of stuff so it's fantastic that people within those industries are coming to um to your of people from the industries that unfortunately maybe they were furloughed and the like for example rolls royce we kind of worked with those guys quite a lot as well they'd taken on the big project of new engines and things in january and then unfortunately now the work isn't there for them and a lot of them have been made redundant into the market however i've got to say that i've been very impressed with all the rolls royce employees because they've been so positive and taking it as a you know an opportunity to you know start something else so i've been Mm -hmm. very impressed with them Wow. Um, and I know you kind of mentioned, so you do like the, the CVs and the LinkedIn profiles. LinkedIn for me is something that I will always use and um, I think it's a fantastic tool. How important do you think it is to have your, kind of be interactive on LinkedIn and, and have your profile up to date? Is that, do you think that's as equally as important as, as CVs and cover letters and different things? Yeah, so I don't think a LinkedIn could ever replace a CV because sure. you're not going to be including, I always encourage on CVs, for example, to list key achievements. So if you're in sales, you would maybe say, I brought in X amount of revenue or I've reduced savings by X. And that's probably not the right thing to be talking about on your LinkedIn profile because sure. you might be breaching confidentiality. But I do think it is really important to give employers a snapshot of your skills and expertise on LinkedIn to make sure your profile is fully complete and then also the great thing about LinkedIn is you can gain recommendations so if you're currently looking for work and you've got 
maybe previous managers or colleagues that have left recommendations on your LinkedIn profile, it means that it's basically an online reference for everyone to see. Mm-hmm. But the other thing about LinkedIn is being active on the platform, as you'd said there, Jenny, and it's yeah. a lot of people think, well, I'll just make sure my profile's lovely, which is definitely what you've got to do but then don't engage with LinkedIn. Mm -hmm. We've got to remember it is a social media platform, so you do have to engage with it because that's what's going to get you seen as well by commenting, putting out posts, liking other people's posts as well. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, Because I think kind of, if you think about what we kind of have access to to now and compare it to to 10 years ago, there's, there's obviously it opens up your opportunities to, to so many more kind of potential jobs and things like that just by having these profiles yes for sure and a lot of employers are now using it as well as a headhunting tool as well so Mm -hmm. they will perhaps before they go and advertise a vacancy they might be connected to these people and and approach them first or they can use the search function in order to find these um, people as well so if you're not on linkedin you are effectively missing out Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. um i remember when i was starting out kind of doing what I do the amount of people said you know you're on LinkedIn and we will connect on LinkedIn and I was really reticent um, to go on and, and join that platform and indeed any social media platform because I kind of came from a background within my work career where it really wasn't of any advantage to be on social media in fact it was quite the opposite um, and then to take that step and actually um, open up and be on the social media platforms but I would say that it's absolutely paying rewards, you know, the amount of people that you can connect with and um, who can see what your skills are and just say, make recommendations for you. They're fantastic. So anyone who is a bit reticent, like perhaps I was, uh, I would absolutely say, um, you know, take those steps, particularly to showcase your abilities and, and connect with so many other people. I, I, how many people use LinkedIn, Emma? Do you know? I mean, there must be millions and millions of people using LinkedIn. Yeah, no, the there's, um, you know? I think it's 65 million users worldwide, wow. and there's 25 million yeah. just in the UK. So it's an absolute massive platform. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You couldn't get your C, you couldn't send your CV out no, to that exactly. many people, but to kind of showcase your skills and your ability in a, in a LinkedIn profile, at least garnishes a little bit of interest and then can follow up with you know cv or conversations or one-to-ones and so on yeah and you don't know fantastic. the great thing about linkedin is you don't know who your connections know so you might put out a post but you don't know who your mm. connections are connected with and they can always link you up as well so it is a fantastic platform for just getting you that little bit further yeah absolutely um so what, what, do you, what would you say are the most common mistakes then on linkedin because i think it's a wee bit some people, you know, you just sometimes think, okay, I'll just put a profile up and people will come to me because, you know, they'll, they'll know my a name or they'll know something about me or I'll say that I work for, say, Rolls-Royce, for instance, and, and I'm not decrying Rolls-Royce in any way, but um, what, what would you say are the most common mistakes or common, you know, things that people do wrongly when they're trying to set up? I think they don't profile? fully complete their profile, which can be a bit of a problem right. as well. So they just kind of half finish it. And sometimes that can look worse because first impressions are everything. Or if mm-hmm. it's half complete, it looks like you're not really on LinkedIn. So people might not contact you. And the other thing for particularly those that are job searching at the moment, all they put in their headline is currently seeking opportunities. So mm-hmm. if some if a recruiter was to do mm-hmm. a search, so say somebody's looking for a mechanical engineer, they're not going to type in currently seeking opportunities. They're yeah. going to type in mechanical engineer. 
and there is a setting on LinkedIn to sort of tick to say that you are open to opportunities. So the headline is really important. And I think if you spend a lot of time, that is what's going to get you found. So simply, you know, just making sure you're popping the keywords in that are relevant to you and your profile and your headline. Mm-hmm. Um, and what about, uh, sometimes I'm a bit dubious about connecting with people who either have a picture of a car as their profile picture or or no picture at all. And not because it's about the way that people kind of look, but I just feel on a platform like LinkedIn or something, I, I could be wrong, but a profile picture seems important. Yes, for sure. Absolutely, for sure. People want to know that there's a real person behind it. They mm-hmm. want to see that you're professional. So it is really important to have a professional picture. And also as well, that does get forget- forgotten about as a banner picture behind your profile picture as well. So you can only do that by being on, you can't do it from the app, but you can do it from a laptop or a computer and just updating that behind as well, just so that it looks again, a fully finished, complete profile. So what kind of things would you then have in your banner picture? So, of course, if you were employed, if you were self-employed, you would have your own branding and things. Mm-hmm. However, if you're, say, currently looking for work, even a nice picture of the city that you're looking for working, work in as well right. would be completely effective or something related to the industry that you're working. So if it was IT, it could be computers or mechanical, right. mechanical engineering. It could be, you know, some sort of engine and things like that as well. So just something mm-hmm. relevant to you. Cool. Um, I never really thought of that before, to be honest. Um, I suppose, in a sense, it's almost like building your own brand of you. Yes, for sure. Absolutely, for sure. It's a really good way of um, looking at it. Um, do you have a um, banner photo, Michael? I, I do have a banner, yeah. I was staying really... <laughs> <laughs> what my banner is, or I don't have one. I've got a banner, and it's actually uh, the title of my book. People would see the actual photograph of me is when I was doing a, a speaking performance. So you would see, you know, like I'm holding a microphone. So you probably garner from the picture that this guy's a bit of a talker or a singer. <laughs> um, but there's a, then almost like the front cover of my book saying, you know, um, if, uh, don't believe your brain. Um, now available on Amazon, something like that. So there's a wee bit of a sales pitch. I get that, but at least it, it would get the person to realise. Okay, this guy's written a book and he's a speaker and that kind of is what we do and then in my profile you know you get so many characters it'll say that um you know owner of um uh, mental health training and support business um so a couple of things like that i'm not saying it's perfect anyway and emma probably will take a look at it and go that could do that could be so much better Michael. no i'm sure uh, not <laughs> but at least i've i've, I've kind of done that but to be honest it took me probably you know a long time to do that over a year to get it to that point because I probably didn't use this I didn't use the service of someone like Emma who mm-hmm. you know gave me that advice uh, I probably just tried to do a bit here and there and think I would get by with it so I'll never know the opportunities that I missed as a result of not having um the, I'm not saying it's great just now but having as good as it is just now or I think it's as good as probably yourself Jenny you got something in the background yeah I think I think it's probably my logo, to be honest. Mm-hmm. And, and then uh, my profile picture is just a picture of me in my work T-shirt. But um, I wasn't even... It was my sister who kind of... She's dead funny. She'd said, let's do a photo shoot for your uh, LinkedIn profile picture. And I'm like, eh, no. <laughs> she's like, go and get your hair done and get your T-shirt on and blah, blah, blah. And she's giving it all. Stop looking so dead behind the eyes. Give me a smile. And so we're, we're at it. 
I would say all afternoon until she decided that there was a picture where I didn't look so dead behind the eyes and such a fake smile. <laughs> um, so yeah, I do have a um, a, a profile picture and a, and a banner thing. I, I had went on a I think it was a business gateway workshop about LinkedIn and, and they were saying about making sure your profile was fully complete and then if you do that it gives you I want to say a star it, profile yeah, or something. an all star profile yeah mm-hmm. yeah and yeah. apparently that makes you then kind of easier to find on on a home page and things like that so yeah it boosts your quality score basically so it yeah. means that you you know you're kind of coming to the top of the search results for what you want to be known for mm-hmm. um so and and I'm the same as you, Michael. I don't know if it's particularly good, but it's there. <laughs> I think it's just, for me, it was a starting point. And again, I think that's perhaps, you know, if if, if a situation was to change, you know, um, so I'm self-employed, but if I wanted to look for employment or whatever, I would probably change that more to meet what I was actually looking for an employer to find me as. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. You know, and use the, the advice that Emma had given me. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I... I I think it's one of those things that you don't really know the benefit of until someone says to you, perhaps, I found you on LinkedIn, or the amount of introductions that you can get through LinkedIn. Mm-hmm. I've got a few of them over the last couple of weeks where, uh, as you've said, Emma, that you don't know who knows someone, and a few people contact them saying, played golf with this chap at the weekend, if you'd really like to get to a chat with you, I'll connect you on LinkedIn. And it's an incredible platform for that. And I never really appreciated that in the beginning, you know? Yeah, no, definitely, definitely. There's also a really good feature for job searchers as well at the moment. If they type in, we are hiring um, into the search function of LinkedIn, mm-hmm. and you can then narrow it down to location. So, for example, you could just put, we're hiring, tick on Glasgow, and then everybody that's currently recruiting is becomes available as well so all the hr people will put we're hiding next to them so mm-hmm. you know they're open to you know to approaching mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. um i suppose the other thing i would kind of wanted to ask you about as well you kind of touched on transferable skills and um people at the moment kind of looking at right okay i'm in the, this industry with with this with this skill and this transferable where can i go from here um how would you kind of what would you recommend for kind of sitting down and identifying what your transferable skills are and what way maybe what other industries you can use them for and, and, and then putting that into a CV? Yeah, so normally what we would do is you would, it's always good to have an idea of what you would like to do, even if it's without the field. So for example, if you took somebody in, so I've recently worked with somebody that was in a sales and business development role, but it was in an area that has been affected by COVID. So they were unfortunately mm-hmm. made redundant. Mm-hmm. They've always been looking to get into HR. So what we did was have, she's just started studying HR, which is um, great as well. But then what we've done is go back over her skills and experience over the last few years and worked out what type of HR qualities and skills has she gained during that time. Mm-hmm. So she has been assisting with, training and development for other members of staff she's also been focusing on well-being and she's also had because she was a line manager in the past dealt with disciplinary and grievances as well Mm -hmm. all of which are completely transferable to the HR industry so what we would normally do is you would start your CV with a professional profile which sort of sets the tone of the CV and they are rather than focusing on her sales and business development qualities that she has will then sort of talk about 
the transferable skill she has to the HR industry. Mm-hmm. And then within the a key skill section, which is just bullet points, but again, it's good to mirror the job advert there. So people in HR will be looking for disciplinary and grievances um, skills. They'll be looking for training and development skills and we'll list those there. So mirroring the job advert so the recruiter can see straight away right they do actually have these skills and that's what's coming out so you wouldn't you wouldn't talk too much about the sales and business development of course you don't hide from it you acknowledge Mm -hmm. it but you you would then probably home in more on the transferable skills of what the person has done rather than diluting it with you know absolutely everything they've ever done so just Mm -hmm. keep it really focused on the tasks that are related sure um, and then I suppose on the other hand of that, like with the LinkedIn, what would you say are kind of the most common mistakes for when you're putting your CV together? The Probably the common mistakes that I see is somebody putting absolutely everything they've done. Mm-hmm. And what I touched on there was then the CV becomes diluted and the recruiter mm-hmm. is trying mm-hmm. to work out what actually are you, what, why have you applied and what have you done that's relevant here? And it, it's not really jumping out at the recruiter. The other thing as well is people don't acknowledge career breaks and sometimes that can lead lead to somebody wondering why. So perhaps Mm. if they've been on maternity leave or they've been unwell or anything like that, then they should definitely acknowledge that career break and just explain why, just so the recruiter, you know, isn't left to to question. And Mm. I would say another main theme, which would probably, if you're getting a, a high number of applicants, is still spelling and grammar can come out quite can really shine through so if you've had 100 applicants and there's people maybe not getting the their theirs and their theirs right the t-h-e-r-e and the t-h-e-i-r's right then they are probably going to go to the bottom of the pile so always proof check and don't always rely on word as well to do that for you i've had many situations where there was somebody that had put they'd been renovating horses instead of houses and of course you know, word isn't going to pick up on that. Yeah, but, yeah. So, so it's just silly things like that that can, you know, lead you to not securing that interview. So it's always worth just getting a, you know, a second pair of eyes just to get someone to have a read through it for you. Yeah, I always, I always used to look at it um, when I was looking for and career advancement in that, what the job I'm going for, what is it, the skills that they're looking for? So because when you're generally looking for a promotion, you haven't done that job before, so you can only you'll only have some of the skills that they're looking yeah. for because you've never been a director or, or whatever it may be that you're going for. So what I always done was looked at the job profile and various aspects of it and thought, okay, well, I've, I've got that, I've got a bit of that experience, I've got a bit of that experience, and then as you said, just kind of really focused on those things um, rather than worry too much about to begin with about the things that I couldn't do because. You know, you've never been in that position before. They're looking, you know, they're looking for people who've got a wide range of things. But I would always say, I've done this, I've done that, and in some way, even if it's going back a few years, to say, yeah, I did, still did that in this environment, and you know, just kind of connect as much as possible to what they were looking for, just in just in what you said there. And I think most people would be surprised when you actually break it down like that, how well matched they can be for some job, mm-hmm. rather than just saying, well, I don't think I could do that, or they're looking for no looking for somebody like me. But actually, if you sit and match it out and you think, well, actually, I've done that in my job or I've done that in a past job, I, I do have more transferable skills than I think, you know? No, definitely. And I think the what I think frightens some people is they have a look at the job description and it's been proven that particularly women will look at two or three things and go, oh, I can't do that. Then they're wanting this, so I'm not going to reply, apply for the job. 
Whereas mm -hmm. you've got to remember it's an employer's wish list. They're not going to get somebody that ticks absolutely every single box. Mm -hmm. So you might as well, you know, put your hat into the ring and apply and just make it as fo your CV as focused as possible to that job advert. Yeah, I, I totally agree. And one of the things when I always you know, managed a big, a big team in, uh, when I was a director and what I always used to say is that see if you never apply for it, it's a wee bit like the lottery. If you never buy a ticket, you're never going to get it. Definitely. But then equally, when you find out who has got the job, don't rubbish them and don't say, oh, I, I'm, I think I'm better than them because they had um, the ability to at least say, Do you know what, I'm going to put myself forward for that. I'm going to spend the effort and, you know, a couple hours making my CV better or, or, or going through that process to at least put themselves in that shop window. Um, and I think people, uh, I, I didn't, I wasn't aware of the female aspect of that. Um, I'm surprised by that, but I would also say that don't be discouraged. Like you say, whenever I was writing job descriptions, you're very much writing the wish, the wish list to encompass everything that you would love. Um, exactly. You're really not going to get that. You're just looking for the person who's best matched to some of those things. But throw your hat in the ring because you absolutely never know what can happen. Yeah. You know. I can give you a great example. I was recruiting for a mechanical engineer not so long ago, and the per the the sort of client was saying, "I definitely need somebody with a mechanical engineering degree, and they need to have X, Y, and Z experience." And the guy that I had interviewed. He didn't have a degree, but he had basically learned on the job and had amazing experience, probably more so than some of the people that had degrees. Mm -hmm. And I basically chatted to the client and said, look, this guy's got all the experience. He doesn't have a degree, but he's got all of this. And he was the one that secured the role. Whereas mm -hmm. if he hadn't, if he'd been stuck with that needs to have a degree for that, then he might never have applied and mm -hmm. you know, got it. So it's really important to just sometimes. I, yeah, get I, it I think that we have, I think that as human beings, we start out with, here's what I want, here's what I'm looking for. But actually, it's not really based on that much. It's based on this wish list thing. But, you know, then you encounter people, you, you have a personality connection with people, you have, you know, other people have real life experiences that perhaps outweigh the academic experiences. Mm -hmm. And that pushes them further up um, the list. So what you originally sit out and think, I really want something like this, isn't really what uh, you could perhaps end up with, because that's a black and white thing. But Life isn't really black and white, you know, as you said there. Yeah. Some people have far more experiences of a working life than an academic role. Um, and those skills absolutely come to the fore, you know. No, definitely. And it's about person fit as well with the company too. I mean, there could be somebody there that's got all the experience and all the, you know, the qualifications and literally does probably tick most of the boxes. But then maybe at interview, it's about that getting the person fit as well for the company. It's not just about the skills and experience. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I remember doing interviews and uh, it was, we were doing some, uh, we were recruiting just some agency work, uh, just short term employment. And we, you know, we contacted this agency and we got like three application forms and, and I just wanted to have a chat with all three. So I kind of said to them before they came in, look, it's informal, just relaxed. I kind of want to get to know you as a person. I don't really want to know all about your qualifications and your experiences and all that sort of stuff because it's already written down. Yeah. If you've been legitimate enough in your application form, I don't really want to go over all that. I would just really like to get to know your, you as the person. And, uh, and that, that really unnerved people because we're so used to traditional interviews that say, right, tell me this, tell me that. And I sat down with them uh, individually and said, okay, tell me about yourself. Where was the last place um, you enjoyed your holiday in? Um, what gets you up in the morning? Um, you know, What do you look forward to? Stuff like that and the more of the human aspect of it. 
rather than what your qualifications were, what your experiences were, because when you've written all of those down, that's kind of what gets you into the interview. Um, I think once you're Definitely. in the interview, it's a different ball game altogether, you know. And that kind of goes with my point as well as sometimes people will advise not to include your interests in your CV at the bottom. Now, if they're not that interesting, such as I go to the gym mm -hmm. or I like to read, then I wouldn't put them down. However, if your interests are interesting, you'd maybe do a bit of a, a crazy kind of sport or you're into something that really is different, then it's very important to put it down. Because like you said there, Michael, that can help establish rapport in an interview as well because people might say well tell me a bit more about that and then it's allowing the personality to shine through mm -hmm. and like you say when when it is a job and, and there's a hundred applicants people are having to pick reasons to like pick somebody essentially or, or not pick somebody and when you're getting in maybe a hundred identical um cvs there has to be something different or something that stands out on it yeah, Definitely. I, I agree. When I, you know, when I was doing uh, recruiting for staff and all of that sort of stuff, you know, as Emma said, and you said there, Jenny, you know, you, you're getting a lot of forms in, um, and in all honesty as well, you're thinking, oh, I need to go through fifty application forms here, and as you said, if there's typing mistakes or sections not filled in, they very easily become the ones that you don't want to read because you think oh, I can't spell proper the word properly or they've missed out sections. That really, to me, back then, would have thought. Well, they're not really that interested if you can't go, you know, if you're only asked to fill in five sections and you can't be bothered filling in five sections, how are you going to be the type of employee that I can rely on? And as judgmental as yeah. that was, it did become a sort of a filtering process to get through uh, application forms, you know? No, I think that's what you've got to do. I think as well, it's the cover letter as well. Mm -hmm. Some people still question the validity of a cover letter. But again, like you said, Michael, if you've got 50 applications that you're going through, and somebody's taking the time to write a cover letter to tell you why they want to work for you and your company, then you're more likely to interview them because you know they've taken that time and it shows the dedication. Absolutely. And I, I always kind of thought whenever I was going for posts and application forms, I would, you know, I would research the company that I was applying for. I would try and find out who their lead officers were, things like that, what they specialised in, or, you know, if they were having open days, things like that, and yeah. then connect my answers to some of those things, or, you know, like an application, I see that you've got an open day, such and such, I'll try and pop along, or something along those lines that, as you say, then it makes it look like you've researched the company, um, you know, and you really want to work for them, and I got no. that from, um, you remember, uh, what's the Alan Sugar, The Apprentice? Yeah. Yes, yes, yes. And there's a round in The Apprentice, everyone, and it's the application form or the business plan, part yes. near the end. Yeah, now, well, that's my yeah, me too. I always remember <laughs> where this guy said, you know, that he was questioning me, said, so can you tell me, what is Alan Sugar's business? Right? And the guy didn't know. He didn't have a clue what Alan Sugar was. And you kind of think, you want this guy to be a business partner and you want him to invest a quarter of a million pounds or whatever it is. And you haven't even bothered to take the time to see what the chap specialises in. Obviously, mm -hmm. there's loads of things. So, you know, or even you would just buy his book or something. Yeah, and absolutely. And that was yeah, exactly. that I thought, no, I would always want to find out as much as I could about the potential employer because they would then think that, God, this guy's done his research. He really wants to work for us. He's taking that time, that extra time that maybe Johnny before him didn't take. And, you know, I always think, you know, go that wee bit extra mile, you know. I think even equally for the applicants, from the applicant's point of view, you might not actually want to work for that company once you've researched them. Um, yeah. And if you don't take the time 
to find that out, then it's you're kind of what's the phrase? I don't know, but I think I think either equally for for both the applicant and the kind of employer, it's it's so important that you take the time to research uh, the company that it is you're applying for the job with. Yeah, and I think it allows you as well to, if you feel that you've prepped on the company and what exactly they do, then you know that you're not going to be as nervous when you go in for the interview as well because you feel you've you've ticked all the boxes for mm-hmm. them too. So you know that you know all about them, so you're not going to be caught off guard. Yeah, what what's the saying is if you fail to prepare, you prepare to fail. Yeah, um, yeah. And I I remember when I I know it's slightly off uh, the grid what we're talking about, but when I was preparing for interviews, I would spend days and days reading annual accounts, reading a whole lot of things about the organisation so that I had a fuller picture in my head so that even if I wasn't asked a question about the accounts or whatever, I could still talk about them and, you know, bring it into the conversation to let them know, by the way, I know about your accounts or I've looked at your last accounts and I see that you're in a healthy financial position. All of those things, because it's it's almost like you're thinking to yourself, I'm going to get another mark here, I'm going to get another point because I'm telling them things that they'll think, well, that's really good. He knows about that. He must have went away and researched that. And, you know, it's, it's that almost, as you said at the beginning, that first impression. If they think, God, this guy's really taking time here to get to know our business. Um, and I think all you really want to do is to get, you know, a point or two above the other person in terms of you showing that, look, by the way, I've kind of went above and beyond. I'm really keen on yeah. here. And I think that that's a really good way to be. No, definitely. And that can shine through, I think, as well in your and your CV and cover letter as well, that even though you might be applying for similar jobs, so say, for example, sales, and it's two different types of product, if you've not tailored your CV according to the industry as well, then, you know, taking the time to tailor it does help you secure that interview because you are trying to focus it for the recruiter as well. Yeah, I think the worst thing you can probably do is almost like have that shotgun approach of you know, yeah. I'll just send my CV out to um, 20 companies and I, and I might get something back. I think it's more important that you you know, you know kind of look at it and think, okay, of these 20 companies which ones would I really like to work with uh, and research what I could about them and make your, your CV far better for a smaller amount than make them general CVs for large, you know, uh, for a large amount of companies. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Um, so in terms of kind of finding where jobs are being advertised and things like that, is LinkedIn the kind of biggie just now or where else would you kind of say that people should go to if they are in a situation where they're kind of looking for work just now? So, of course, LinkedIn's a great place to go and look for work as well. There is other job platforms as well. So depending on what you're looking for, you can use S1 Jobs if you're in Scotland. Mm -hmm. That has all the different sort of industries. Indeed's another really good one as well. Mm -hmm. You can also use um, the Home Office website if you're looking for something within the civil service as well. And alternatively, about 80% of the jobs out there aren't always advertised as well. So it's worth as well if there is companies that you think might be recruiting in the future is taking that time mm-hmm. to spe- send speculative applications. Mm-hmm. But again, that needs to be really focused towards the company so that rather than a recruiter placing a vacancy on one of the job sites, you'll be remembered for, oh, that person that emailed me in with their cover letter and CV. I might go through the the few people that have taken the time to do so before putting an, an advertisement out there. And it's even the simple thing is when I used to work in 
the welfare to work industry there could be people at the at that time i know it's not so great at the moment seeking hospitality positions but if they were running around handing their cv out for say kitchen porter jobs Mm -hmm. then the 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 restaurant's going to go through that pile of CVs before they go to the the sort of hassle of putting an advert on yeah. and going through that whole process. I was going to say that. It so, saves the expense as well if, if, if these are looking just now about cutting a cloth accordingly and they've got some CVs or people who've expressed an interest. You know, that may be your first port of call. Um, I think it was well at, mid, at the beginning of the COVID thing that there was a lot of companies who just began recruiting really, really rapidly and you would hear of people perhaps going into my local supermarket's Asda, so just use Asda as one, and uh, being offered a job as like a delivery driver or, or shelf snacker or whatever uh, situation may be vacant at that time. And I think that was brilliant. I remember thinking, that's great. When does that ever happen? Mm-hmm. And now I think it's about perhaps looking about, okay, so what industries are really booming just now in yeah. the middle of this uh, pandemic? And, you know, you, I, I often hear of jobs that have been lost, but other ones include, you know, like, delivery services, DPD, or companies like that who are are absolutely capitalising on home deliveries because of the situation. So I think if you think about it in a, in a lateral way of actually, okay, we know there are sectors within the industry who are um, losing jobs, but there's other sectors which are gaining jobs. And as Emma, you said right at the beginning, it's those transferable skills to get you into a consideration for those areas. Yeah, so the, the, for example, some of the guys from Rolls-Royce, of course, aviation, mm-hmm isn't doing too well at the moment but then they've started looking at could they maybe go into the renewable energy so wind bills mm-hmm. you know and all the different sort of energy projects that are going on there as well the rail as well so there's lots of you know other opportunities that are still aligned to your skill set but you're sort of transferring to a different industry as well yeah I think maybe not so much now that we're kind of easing off but certainly throughout the lockdown period and I think to a certain extent now there seems to be two extremes so it's like industries where unfortunately there's just absolutely nothing just now and then other industries like you're saying Michael like delivery um because everybody's ordering online just now that are just so ridiculously busy um and there's not much that kind of lies in the middle yeah yeah I was speaking to a guy the other day and they own a sort of sort of conferencing machines and equipment and things and they've been now going into the big sort of law firms and accountancy firms and setting up all these sort of really modern conferencing facilities so that they can communicate more effectively with other offices Mm -hmm. within the UK Mm -hmm. and throughout the world whereas before that wasn't really needed because people were more prepared to travel as well so now that that's not as possible there's these kind of industries are now you know becoming yeah. busier because it's of that. amazing how people have kind of been like learned to kind of pivot their business model and and be creative under like the, the circumstances yeah uh, does ironic you say that emma just about uh, the conferences there and just what, as you're joining us uh, i've just been signed up to speak at a conference uh, in london and one in northern ireland uh, over the next few months uh, and aberdeen as well and Traditionally, you would just I would just have travelled to those places. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But actually, you know, they've now realised that, you know, particularly one in London, it's a massive big uh, conference, um, and they've now realised that okay, we can't do it in person, but they've now um, got the technology in place to actually deliver it over, um, you know, uh, 
you know, and, and not in person over Zoom or whatever platforms are going to do it. And that fantastic, yeah. as you say, they're pivot. So that will require the resources of other organisations. So keeping other people in jobs as well, you know. Yeah, definitely. It's the same with like the card um, payment providers as well, you know, because the takeaway, you know, restaurants have had to move to a takeaway service as well and needed the, you know, contactless payments and things like that. So there has been industries that have benefited out of it, out of it for sure. But there's, of course, you know, it, it's quite, you know, hard times for the people that are finding themselves redundant. Absolutely. As I said at the beginning, it's, it's kind of, doesn't seem like a day goes past that I don't know someone who's unfortunately lost a job or is, you know, is working their notice and stuff like that. And, and I think that, you know, in the beginning of um, the lockdown and the furlough scheme and everyone probably felt that bit assured, but um, I think slowly but surely that's coming to an end now, you know? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. So, Emma, if people were kind of maybe wanting a wee bit of help with their CV or, um, you know, help with a service that you provide, how can, how can people get in touch with you? So they can go on the website, which is just thecvguru.co.uk. Okay. We do offer free CV reviews as well. So people can upload their CV and we can point out areas of improvement for them as well and you know let them know the fee should they wish to use the services. But there is also a, you know, a blog that's kept up to date with other helpful tips on job searching, interview skills, you know, how to sort of demonstrate your transferable skills in your CV, mm-hmm. the do's and don'ts of CVs as well. So there is a few, you know, hints and tips there as well for people to have a look through. Yeah, cool. Um, that's all been super helpful, hasn't it, Michael? <laughs> Fantastic, Emma. And uh, as I said right at the beginning, I'm delighted that um, you were able to join us, particularly that you're, you know, especially busy just now with everything that's going on. But to give up your time and come and join us and to help, um, our listeners, um, you know, if they're in that uh, need at the moment, it's fantastic. And I would highly recommend the services to everyone who's listening if you need them. So thank you very much. Oh, thank, you. Today, Emma. thank you. Thanks for having me on. You're more than welcome. Thank you.